You're listening to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland Podcast. Now, your weekly message from Pastor Tim McLaughlin. I'm always encouraged when I get to sit down and and share with you from the Word of God, and I just pray that it's a a blessing to you, pray that it's an encouragement to you, that you get something out of it. Uh, I know myself personally, I've got several people that I listen to podcasts, and it encourages me as I'm driving down the road um, sometimes and getting my mind focused on the things of God and hearing uh, others' perspectives on the things of God helps to encourage me and strengthen my walk. So I pray that we can do the same for you. If you have your Bible, go to Jeremiah 29, 11. Very familiar passage of Scripture. You're like, why do I need my Bible for that? I can quote that, and, and I'm sure that's true. And I, and I want to actually talk about that, that uh, this is a very popular passage of scripture. We're actually getting ready for a a graduation here at Adult and Teen Challenge at the Upper Cumberland, and uh, several of our ladies use this scripture as their stand-on verse, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But I just want to share that with you today. Jeremiah 29-11 says, uh, in the New King James, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So again, very, very, very familiar piece of scripture that many quote and many do and they use it for their stand on verse um, but I just I'm curious to how many people if I sat there and asked them why or if they know more than why maybe what is the importance of this scripture in its context I think so many so many times we pull out scriptures oh that's great and we don't understand the context of what's going on around us or, or in the time that it was written and so Right here in, in Jeremiah, as he's writing this, this passage of Scripture, um, he's talking to the children of Israel who had been carried away by King Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. Now, understand this. Babylon uh, was a city that was founded by Nimrod back in Genesis chapter 11. Um, it was where man's pride had got to a point where God had to destroy the Tower of Babel and and caused man to speak in different languages. In the books of Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, uh, Babylon is shown as a a sinful place where several uh, idol-worshiping kings ruled. Uh, Historians believe that Babylon was the first ancient city to ever exceed uh, the population of over 200,000 people. Uh, the city measured four square miles, on, and it was on the banks of the Euphrates River. Um, it was a, a city that had buildings that were, were massive for its time. Uh, much, much of what was done by King Nebuchadnezzar during that time uh, was to, to build things to glorify himself. Uh, at one point, he built a an 11-mile defense wall around the city. Uh, this wall that went around the whole, this, this four-mile square city, was wide enough for two chariots to pass each other on top of the wall. Um, there, there were so many other wonders and things that, that, that were built right there in Babylon, but it was, it was in pride. It was in selfishness uh, to, to the king. Uh, Babylon worshipers worshipped pagan gods. Uh, chief among them, we can see in Jeremiah chapter 50, 
um, was the, the God of Merdek, the God of Merodic, the God of Bel. Um, you know, so all these false gods that they created. Um, also, we, we understand that Babylon and its history, uh, not only did it worship false gods, but it was a very sexual immorality uh, city. It was, it was, it was, sexual immorality was widespread throughout ancient Babylon. Uh, many cults, uh, temple worship, prostitutes were there, um, uh, all these things, even substance abuse in its day where they would drink. And, and we even read this in the book of, of Daniel where they're sitting around and, and they're just drunken and they're the, the writing on the wall uh, by the hand of God. Uh, Babylon was such an evil place. Babylon's evil uh, evil ways are, are just so um, brought to our attention as we look through the book of Daniel and, and even the book of Jeremiah. Uh, again, Nebuchadnezzar was so arrogant and so prideful that he built a 90-foot tall gold statue of himself and, and commanded everybody to worship him. The, the book of Revelation uh, in, in chapter 17 even refers to Babylon in verse 5 as the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. Can you imagine being a, being a city, living in a place that you're called the abomination of the earth? So Jeremiah writes this letter. He's writing under the inspiration of the Lord, and he's writing it uh, to, to, the, to the diaspora, those that had been taken away, those that had been taken uh, captive um, by King Nebuchadnezzar and all the other kings of this time. And so he's writing this letter to him. And in verse 4, Jeremiah 29, 4 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive. They were carried away captive. Now, have you ever felt like you were captive? Like, like you just, you, you, you were you couldn't move. You couldn't breathe. You you couldn't. You were just. Have you ever felt like you were just? You were held captive to something. Um, another word for captive is exile. And I got to thinking about exile. Many of us, because of our past, uh, at one time or another, have felt exiled. We have felt distant from our family, our friends, distant from society. Um, felt like we just didn't belong and we couldn't go around because of because of the sin that was in us and the life that we chose. Uh, because of rebellion toward God, the children of Israel were they were carried away captive and exiled to this sinful place called Babylon. When we in our, our sinful rebellion did not turn to God or, or we turn away from God, we find ourselves captive in a sinful place. Uh, the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, another very familiar passage of Scripture, it says the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus is writing this or sharing this, John's writing it, but Jesus is sharing this, and, and he's saying, you know, the thief, the enemy, the devil, um, Satan, Lucifer, he's come for one reason and one reason only, to steal, kill, and destroy. He had one plan in mind. The enemy had one plan in mind. And so this is, this is important because when we're thinking about the children of Israel in their disobedience, it was the enemy that had a plan for their destruction. 
I often say this to many people because people always, they get in their mindset that, you know, because I've sinned, God is trying to punish me. No, because of your sin, God wants to save you. God sent Jesus into this earth to save you from your sin. God did not come to punish us. God came to redeem us. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's the enemy that wants to destroy you to keep you from God. So he he comes into our lives and he, he, he takes us captive by our substance abuse. He takes us captive by our are uh, uh, fornicating by by adultery, by pornography, by drugs, by alcohol, you name it. And we, we get held captive by our sin. And, and then we become exiled to our family. So the children of Israel in their rebellion um, toward God, he, he takes his hand of protection off of them. And so the, the Babylonian uh, king comes in and begins to take these people away from their home. And he destroys uh, Jerusalem and, and tears down the wall and tears down the temple and takes these people captive, exiles them away from their family. Babylon, much like the world that we live in today, has turned on God and created its own gods. If we are ignorant of the truth, if we are blinded by sin, then we will fall in the plans of this wicked world. But but I really want you to understand this. God's plan is so much better. Jeremiah 29, 11, let me read it to you out of the New Living Translation. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good not for your disaster, to give you a future and a hope. See, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. His plan is for disaster. But God's plan is so much better because it's a plan for good, for a future, and for a hope. Ancient Babylon has been destroyed. There's a future Babylon that we read about in the book of Revelations, and it's going to meet the same destiny. It's going to be destroyed. We know that in in Revelation 21 that the earth, uh, as we know it, will one day also be destroyed, and God will create a new heaven and a new earth. The children of Israel are still returning even to this day from captivity. God is calling the diaspora home, all mankind. He is calling to return to Him. God has a plan, and since the beginning of time, His plan is good for His creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26-27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps in the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. And then in verse 31, it says, Then God saw everything He made, and indeed, it was very good. God created us in His image, and God said it's very good. But then sin entered in, and what it did is it disrupted God's plan. It did not destroy it. See, you can't destroy God's plan. God, God's plan is, is, is more powerful than anything the enemy can come up with. But it did disrupt God's plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 is, is such a positive assurance to each and every one of us that God is still in control and that He is working out His plan for good things for humanity and for the world. God's plan, John 3, 16, 17 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. So see there, I told you earlier, God didn't come to condemn. God didn't send Jesus to condemn us. 
But it goes on, says, but the world through him would be saved. God's plan is for redemption. God's plan is for salvation. God's plan is for deliverance. God's plan is for you and I to come out of our exile, to come out of our captivity, and to find freedom in Christ Jesus. So how can we receive this plan that God has for us. We receive this plan the same way that Jeremiah tells the children of Israel. Jeremiah 29 verse 12 through 14 says, When you call upon me and go and pray to me, I will listen to you. See, God is just waiting for us to call out to Him. God is just waiting for us to say, Lord, help me. Father, forgive me. Jesus, heal me. Deliver me. God says if we will just call out to Him when we pray, He's listening. Then he goes on. He says, if you will seek me, you will find me. You will search for me with all of your heart and I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. When we call out to God, when we make him Lord of our life, when we seek him in every situation, he promises to bring us out of our captivity, out of our exile and fulfill his plan for our lives. John 10, 10, the second part says, that I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. The thief came to steal, but Jesus said, I've come to redeem you, that you would have life more abundantly. I've come to deliver you, that you'd have life more abundantly. See, God's plan is for our good. God's plan is for our future. God's plan is for our hope. Real quickly, I just want to give you 10 things, and I could have came up with many, but really just 10 things that I believe we can look at regarding God's plan. Number one, understand this. God's plan is good. God's plan is good because He has given us an escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Listen, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what has you captive. But God has made a way of escape. His name is Jesus. God's plan is good. And He made a way of escape for you and for I. Number two, God's plan is good because He has given us His Spirit. John 14, verse 26, 27 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Listen, when we call out to the Lord, when we ask Jesus Christ to come to forgive us, to save us, to deliver us, to bring us out of our captivity, God not only does those things, but then He places His Holy Spirit in us. Not only did He make a way of escape for us, but He gave us the most powerful thing that He could, His Spirit that lives in us. We don't have to be troubled. We don't have to be afraid because we have the greater one living on the inside of us. Number three, God's plan is good because he has given us his strength. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 through 19 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, 
that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Man, God's plan for us is that he would bring us out and make a way of escape, that he would fill us with his spirit, and then he would fill us with his strength. What is his strength? All the fullness of himself. The wisdom that we get when we read his word. The encouragement that we find when we fellowship with other believers. The strength that we get when we're in his spirit and we're, we're praying in his spirit and we're worshiping him. God wants us to receive all of his fullness. This is God's good plan for you and for I. God also has a plan for our future. Number four, God's plan for our future is bright. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, Saints of God, I'm not going to say that you're perfect when you make Jesus Lord of your life, but this is the deal. The more you walk with Him, the more you fellowship with Him, the more you read His Word, the more you spend time in prayer seeking after God, we can have confidence that He who has begun a good work in us will see it come to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. I want to stand before my God, and I believe that I will, and He will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Not because of anything Tim McLaughlin could do, not because any Anything you could do, but because of everything that Jesus did. God has a plan for our future, and that plan is bright. Number five, God has a plan for our future, and it is complete. Hebrews 13, verse 20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is all pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. God has a future for us, and his future for us is complete in his will. Our future is complete in him. When he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it was Jesus that was on the cross in, in, in John 17, and he said, it is finished. And at that point, he made a way. He tore the, the temple veil from top to bottom and said, no longer do we need to go into to this, this man-made temple. Here we can just come directly to him. And then when Jesus came up out of that grave, defeating death, hell, and the grave, he made a way for you and I to come and to approach him and understand that in him, we are complete. Number six, God's plan for our future is that we will be like Christ. Man, can you imagine it? That we will someday be like Christ. First John 3 verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when it he when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him 
as he is. I, I just, I can't imagine. We get pictures, you know, I go to places and it's amazing. You can go to all these different churches and whether it's a, a, a white church, whether it's a uh, African-American church, a Hispanic church, a uh, 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 Oriental church, whatever it is, and you see pictures of Jesus and what people think Jesus looked like according to their image. And yet the Bible says right here, because they didn't have Polaroids, they didn't have cameras, they didn't have a smartphone with a built-in camera back then. So we really don't have any idea of what Jesus exactly looked like. But one of these days, if you serve him, if you make him Lord of your life, you will see him as he is. And when you see him as he is, we will be just like him. We will be in our glorified body as he is in his glorified body. Man, I look forward to that day. See, God's plan for our future is for us to be like Christ. Number seven, God's plan for our future is to be with Christ. Not only will we see him as he is and be like him, but, but we, will, we will be with him for eternity. John 14, verse one through four says, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Jesus said, listen, don't, don't fret. I'm going away, but I'm sending you my spirit. But I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going so that when you come and you're with me, you will be like me, but you will spend eternity with me in heaven, in my Father's presence, worshiping Him day and night, casting your crown at His feet, streets of gold, gates of pearl, where, where there is no tear, there is no crying, there is no fretting, there is no fear, but there is only perfect joy in Him. God's plan for our future is to be with Him. And God also has a plan for our hope. Number eight, God's plan regarding our hope is joy and peace. Romans 15, 13 says, May, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember I told you when he, when he went away, he wanted us to have His Spirit living in us. He made a way of escape. He, he, he offered up His Spirit. He offered up His strength. And He says, with my Spirit, when my Spirit lives in you, your promise for hope, that word hope means a confident expectation. We have the confidence, we have the expectancy that the Spirit of God lives in us. And if the Spirit of God is living in us, then we can walk in perfect joy and in perfect peace. Man, I'm not talking about a temporal happiness. I'm not talking about, well, if somebody does something good for you, then I can be happy for a moment because that's going to go away. I'm talking about an eternal joy, an eternal peace that we can have in serving Jesus Christ our Lord. Number nine, God's plan regarding our hope is victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I've got the victory. If you have made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, you have the victory. If you want the victory, call out to Him today. He's made a way. He's made a way of escape. He promises to fill you with His Spirit. He promises that, that He's going to give you a future and that you're going to be with Him in that future, that your future is going to be complete in Him. He promises these things because He has given us the victory. Again, not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did. We receive the victory. And number 10, God's plan regarding our hope 
is in His love. Romans 5.5 says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. Now I could ask this question and many of you can think about somebody that's disappointed you, somebody that's led you down, somebody that said they were going to do something but they did not do it. But Jesus, God made a promise and God fulfilled that promise and God's going to continue to fill all of his promises because the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ Jesus because of the love of God that we find our salvation. It's in Jesus because of the love of God that we find this joy and this peace. It's in the love of God that we find through Jesus our deliverance we find our strength. Church, I'm just I'm here to tell you, there's nothing better than living a life in the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I don't know what your Babylon is. I don't know what has caused you to be held captive or to be exiled. But just like the children of Israel found out, just like our students that come through our program find out, you also can find out God's plan for your life. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is God's plan for your life? That you'd be saved. Not captive. Not exiled. Not living in a foreign land worshiping foreign gods but living a life pleasing to God with Him living in you. The truth is, you have heard His plan, and now you can live it and be restored to the place for which you were created. Father, I thank You for the opportunity again to share Your Word. I thank You, Lord God, that Your Word is so rich, so powerful, full of so many promises. I thank you, Father, that you have a plan for humanity. You created us in your image. You desired us to be with you for eternity. But we allowed sin to enter in and disrupt your plan. But it didn't destroy it. And you're going to see your plan come to pass. And Father, you desire us to call upon the name of the Lord, to come back, Father God, from whatever our Babylon may be. Make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior and to live with you, to live for you, to allow you to live in us. Lord, I thank you again for all that you do. I pray if there's one here, Lord God, that's heard this message today that does not know you as the Lord and Savior, may they pray right now, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be Lord of my life. Wash me in your precious blood and help me to learn to walk out your plan. I thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about this ministry or consider supporting, visit us at teenchallengeuc.org.